Hello and welcome to the NixiePod podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Felbert, a quantum intuitive coach, teacher, and filmmaker sharing authentic spiritual stories. I deep dive into life's mysteries and magic by interviewing amazing people that have followed their calling. Each episode serves to spark something in your soul. I'm really excited to be interviewing Richard Higgins today and to share him with you. Richard uh, has taught me to be a Family Constellations facilitator, and I wanted to share a, a quick story with you of how I got introduced to Family Constellations, and I did a one-on-one -on -one consultation with Richard, and it was the first time I really got to understand the dynamic between myself and my now ex, um, and understand what that, what that dynamic looked like, from, from an energetic point of view and from actually really being able to see it and feeling the validation of what was really going on. And it allowed such a beautiful change in, in my uh, understanding and being in that relationship at the time and also gave me validation to where it was really at and to be able to then work with that afterwards. And... From there, I was pretty much hooked. When Richard moved to Cape Town, I started doing all his group uh, family constellations and eventually did the training with him. Richard, thank you so much. And uh, the, I have two questions to start with. The one is, how did you get into family constellations? And you trained with the, the father of family constellations, Bert Hellinger. For those of us that are already interested in family constellations, what was he like? Okay. Well, I'll do the I'll do the short one first, if you don't mind, because the other one's a bit long-winded. <laughs> um, yes, Bert Henninger. Um, in family constellations, you don't you don't really train with the person, right? The way it works is they have these eight-day uh, intensives where you go and you observe them work. All right, so it's slightly different. They don't you don't sit down and kind of learn the techniques. It's learned through observing. They work and, and, and seeing how they do things, pretty much like you would observe me working and take from it. So, yes, I went over in 2007 um, because I knew if I was going to be committed to this work, I had, I had to go to the source and was trying to get as close to the source of a modality as possible. Read all of his books. He was up there for me in, in terms of, of icons. Uh, so some friends put some money together as the, as the starting for me to, to pay quite a large sum. It's not cheap flying over there and, and paying for these courses and I, what it was within my means. And they spurred me on because they just said, you've got, you've got to do this, Rich. And that started, so I had to come up with the rest and found myself there. I was the only South African there amongst the group of 150, 200 people in Austria. And because he'd lived here with the Zulu for 17 years and hadn't been back since 1994 and he heard there was a South African there, he insisted I come and have a chat with him. So so they gave me an appointment time and I went and I sat down with him like we are now. And uh, and his first thing was, move that chair and sit in front of me. So that gruffness for which he was well known, that very Germanic kind of expression was immediately there. So I was a bit intimidated, to be honest. You know, when you put someone on the pedestal and, and you've learned so much from them, you know, you're a little bit like a schoolboy. It was like being in the headmaster's office, you know. And he was very interested in what was happening in South Africa and asked me questions about that. Um, 
I obviously babbled away and, and, and probably spoke a lot of rubbish uh, and uh, and thought about afterwards and oh, I could have said this and I should have asked that. And But anyway, I sat in his energy field and I felt what it, what it was like. Uh, so there was a, a beautiful experience. And then during those eight days, uh, he actually called on me to, to represent in two of his constellations. And that was quite a gift as well because there were students there that had worked with him or watched him work for many years who'd never got a chance to, to constellate. And here I was, Kippy, coming from Africa, getting uh, cast in two roles, mm. or, or asked to represent in two roles. So to stand in that field, uh, in the Bird Henninger's field, and to feel the energy and to have him give you healing sentences and all that was another really interesting experience, you know, separate from observing and reading his, his stuff. So yeah, enriching, and I'm deeply grateful to have had a direct connection with him before he passed a few years ago. Me too, because I think all your students get get the benefit in some way of that as well. I had so. Oh. How did I get to it? Well, uh, I was born angry uh, and tended towards being a bully and aggressive and violent from day one, really. Um, and there's systemic reasons for that, which of course I uncovered during my training and, and subsequent journey with family constellations and, and healed it, which is why I decided to do the work. So I started off by looking at religions because I thought they'd have the answer. So I hopped from religion to religion. Then the, then stuff started coming out, Norman Vincent Peale and Dale Carnegie and some of the early self-help books, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And I read all of that stuff. And then Deepak Chopra and uh, uh, Wade Dyer and those sort of th books started coming out. So I devoured all of those thinking something's going to have the answer. Like to psychologists, gurus, faith healers, some gormas, anyone who, who I felt would know where's this anger coming from. Nothing worked. Like it chipped away at the surface. It gave me little coping mechanisms, but the core pattern was resistant. Uh, and then a friend of mine suggested that this was a modality I should look into. Uh, two years before I actually did, because I thought it was just another fad. Uh, and when I eventually did, uh, it spoke to me loud and clear. It was that, you know, that moment of revelation when you go, you know, so many clients come and say, what's your life purpose? What's my life purpose? Help me find my... I'd found my life purpose. It had found me. I, the first constellation I saw, I went, wow, this is it. This is what I'm here to do. Where do I sign up? So I had a TV production company and staff and equipment and, and clients and doing stuff for TV. So it took about a year. The initial training was a year. Uh, when I wound down the company, gave my equipment away and, 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 and uh, clients to colleagues, referred to colleagues, uh, cleared out my studio, bought 20 plastic chairs after my training. Literally, in fact, I think it overlapped. I think there was a week or two of my training to go when I started shrinking in my first little groups um, and never looked back. Mm. Changed my life. And in the last two decades has changed many, many other lives. Not me, the modality, the field. It's heart expanding. It is. When you experience it, it really is. What is family constellations for those that don't really know what it is? How It's quite difficult. I find it difficult to explain because it's so vast. But how, how would you explain it to someone? Okay. In a, in a larger, larger nutshell, um, it's the understanding that we are not autonomous, that we are energetically linked to those who came before us in a very real, tangible way. 
and many, if not most, of the decisions we are making in our own lives are informed by what's happened before. Right? We are connected to our ancestors in a, in a morphogenic field. Now, in the Western uh, society, we've become very uh, uh, egocentric, very, very self-centered. It's the me, the me generation. Narcissism is, is rampant, and it's all about me and how much can I get and how much can I can I do and achieve and and this go is the antithesis of how how life is structured. Um, so, Hellinger identified what he he calls the orders of love, who belongs to this energetic family, uh, and and also flesh and blood family. So you, your siblings, living and dead, your mom and dad, your two sets of grandparents are energetically connected, whether you like it or not, whether you get on with them or not. So the image I like to use, which is the simplest, is two streams coming down. A stream of life force energy coming down from your paternal line and your maternal line. Some of it's carried in your DNA. Some of it's carried in what's called the morphic field or the morphogenic field, which is an energy field. A, uh, 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 it's, it's intelligence, it's wisdom, all right, that flows down. Now, anything that hasn't been resolved upstream in Granddad or great granddad, the First World War, the Second World War, rapes, traumas, uh, any PTSD causing kind of incident flows down. Right? And our ancestors didn't have the tools or the wherewithal to, to do the level of healing that we're able to today. They were trying to survive the First World War and the Second World War and the pogroms and the genocides and just to feed their kids and put food on the table and the roof over their heads. You didn't go and sit down and talk about your woes, you know, that. That started coming along, uh, fortunately, in, in, in my time. Um, so, so there's a buildup of 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 bestudling, as they say in Afrikaans, right? Flotsam and jetsam of pain upstream, and it lands on the next generation. The Bible talks about the sins of the fathers being visited upon the sons and daughters of men unto the third or fourth generation, which was their way of saying, look, this stuff comes downstream. When you work with that cause or Zulu, they understand this intrinsically. It's all tacky for them, you know. All, all the red tribes, they understand this. And we lost this understanding in the Western model. So Family Constellations brings this back and says, hang on, you're not alone, right? Those who came before you are relevant and alive energetically in your life to this day. And you can heal what happened upstream because it's manifesting in your own life. And the good news is if you do that, you clean up the stream, and those who come after you for seven generations, as the Hopi believe, uh, will benefit from that. So it's a transgenerational uh, healing modality, which has a deep understanding of our interconnectedness at a level beyond our personality. If I'm excited about this work, and I, I want to come along, and I want to see what it's about, can I constellate without really having something that I feel like I need to constellate? Can I just come and see what, what comes up? Uh, preferably not. Okay, my saying is, you know, a constellation is not about curiosity. Right? If a person is just curious, uh, uh, yes, come along to a group and sit in as, a, as an observer, as a representative possibly, to see what it's about, to see if it really is for you. So there's an opening for that. But if you want to experience a constellation, uh, it's uh, it's important to have something to present with, a, a relationship issue, a health issue, a career issue, uh, a personality disorder, uh, uh, or or something tangible to work with, because it's not a it's not a play thing. It's a it's a profound, deep 
uh, the, the therapeutic model, and we have to respect that. So uh, the beauty of it is is that you can cover a wide spectrum of conditions. So I might work with the uh, the biggest pattern I work with sadly is is uh, abuse in women, uh, followed by abortions in women. Uh, uh, with men, uh, it's often career issues. They kind of hit this invisible ceiling and 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 that. Um, uh, medical conditions, people coming in with, with cancers and, and stuff like that, um, and, and more abstract things as well. You know, uh, there's, there's pretty much nothing that one can't pop into the field and, and explore. Um, so, so if your life's not working, there's something that's not working in your life, a relationship, an aspect of your personality, career, that's the motivation to come. I like it, to be honest, the exact opposite, where people come to me and they say, I've tried everything. I've done this and this and this and this, and, and I've had enough now. I want to change this pattern in my life. I go, good, now we're cooking. Now you know exactly what you're wanting to change. And you, and you take that wave of, of intention from that person and you ride it and, and, you, and you take it home with them. You know, it's not a fluffy, oh, let's see what this is about and <laughs> give it a try. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to uh, to observe if you if you're feeling excited about sure. family constellations and you get so much out of it. Welcome to that's that's why I started those groups for for, for curious people, you know, to come and see and go. Okay, is this for me or not? Because it's not for everyone. You know, it's it's it's, it's something that I'm quite big on when I'm working with a client. Practically every client I work with in a group or one on one is I say to them, it takes courage to do this work. Thank you for showing up, I, 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 and I mean it. I mean, all of people uh, that show up and have the courage to do the work is sometimes got to go to some dark places. And 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 on the other side of that coin, why I like doing it so much was because for, for decades, I looked for help, you know, and no one could give me the answers. And, and so to have found something that literally found the source of my aggression um, uh, helped me move right through it from road rage, head-butting, aggressive father and wife, you know, partner, to, to, to hopefully pretty much the opposite. Um, it was so life-changing that I went, I, I need to do this for other people. If this shifted me in a lost, lost case, uh, I, I don't want to waste this opportunity. So I know what it sits, feels like to sit in that chair and, 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 and need someone's help and knowing the power of this modality, uh, blending those two, having finally found a tool that worked for me and I can pass it on in some small way was just manna from heaven. And what does that actually look like if you come, I know you can do one-on-ones and you can come in a group, what, are the, what does that look like? Okay. The work started in, in the round, as they call it, right, with Hellinger, where he drew from many different disciplines. And he and he he, he uh, took the best from all of these incredible modalities that were coming out in the seventies, and blended them into this modality, which is accredited to him, but he didn't actually name it. All right, but but he he took it to the whole next level, and he discovered these what he calls the orders of love, which is who belongs to that family system, and who has the right to belong, and the impacts of them not being included in the appropriate way. So that's how the work started with him and his first generation of colleagues. And the basic idea was that a client would sit with the therapist and present the issue. 
And based on, on the, the data coming back, we try and stay away from stories. A lot of people have, have been to traditional therapists where they, you're encouraged to speak out. And and so many people have, are not heard in their own lives that they don't need a second irritation. In this work, we try and stay away from too much story. Just get the, the, the core information. Who's in your family? Who's missing? Who should be there? What traumas have there been? And who might be energetically entangled with someone in that system? There's three three main areas. So based on, on what your client feeds to you, you will invite them to set up from that circle of, of participants a representative for themselves and a representative for whoever they're working with. So if a woman and a mother comes to work with an issue around her mother, which is one of the bigger patterns, you would say, choose someone for yourself, choose someone for your mom. What happens then is really fascinating. What makes this modality like really different? Uh, and I've seen maybe thousands of constellations now, and you never tire of the magic of it. That person, total stranger, doesn't know your story at all, seems to connect with the energy of the person they're representing. It's a kind of an energetic channeling effect, which therapists, especially in Germany, don't really like that term because it has kind of a new agey connotation. But that's essentially what it is. It's a temporary uh, uh, contact between soul to soul. And the information comes through from the soul or the subconscious level of that family system through that person that's not even known to the client sometimes. So based on what those representatives of the mom and the daughter share with you, the therapist is able to put that together with the pattern that's been presented and offer an intervention where those uh, people speak to each other uh, at that soul level, which is devoid of personality. So there's no personality getting in the way, wanting to score points in that. It's pure soul to soul. And when you see that in action, you see love at play. And then love is allowed to re-emerge into that relationship. And, and you really see it happening in that, in that collective field, which, which may become much bigger. You might bring in other people. There might be an aborted child that comes in or a missing sibling or a grandfather who died in the war who hasn't been on it. So they can become quite complex. And in fact, that's one of the dangers that we sometimes make them a bit too big, you know, and they get out of hand uh, in early days. So, so it's essentially a, a sculptural 3D presentation of what's happening at the soul level of that family that brings it to life so that you can re-sculpture it, reframe the blueprint, and in the days and weeks that follow, that new imprint permeates up into the everyday life of those people and changes start to happen, sometimes unbelievably quickly, almost magically, which is why you know, it got such a good name. Everyone wants one of those magical ones. Others take weeks, months, maybe even years if they're deeply embedded patterns. So that's how it started. Yeah, I've also often found that... Um... I could work with someone and some some other modality comes in that's allowed to come in to actually make the shift. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the role of the therapist is, is to is to be alert to that and open to that. And what I love about the modality is that the, the facilitator does relatively little. It doesn't look like it to people observing it, but you really, really do as a facilitator. Because something bigger is at play. And like we call it the morphogenic field or the knowing field or the ancestral field. It's this quantum field of, of information, of wisdom, of love essentially, that is at play. And when it's given the opportunity, the portal to, to allow that healing into the family system, it grabs it with both hands. And the, the, the representatives, those who represent the individual family members temporarily, are the ones who channel that information in. 
So they like gold if you're a facilitator. And all your job is to do is to observe what, what the impulse is from that representative or, you know, you might feel something's missing in the field or someone's looking in a certain direction so you get the sense that something's missing or someone's been looked for. So you just watch these little clues and you try them out. The beauty is you can't really make mistakes. The, the, the field kind of protects its turf. As long as you know how to read the field, right? That's what the facilitator's trained in. That's that's a little bit of a skill, yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to overcome the fear of thinking you need to control things and getting yourself out the way. Right at the beginning, when I first started, I, I was meditating. I go, okay, well, how do I start this? And how, how do I get going? Because I'm a control freak, right? And, uh, and the field said to me, just show up and we'll do the rest. So that's what I try and do. And control freak doesn't even do it. <laughs> And um, also, when I've found that uh, as a representative, someone who's been chosen to represent a mother or a sibling or, or even sometimes a country, um, I learn so much just by representing. Because I often find that people want to come to the groups because they have something to constellate. But I've found personally so much out of just coming and being part of the group and being able to represent or even just watching how observing yeah how how things and there's always a reflection it's like um it's this it's synch synchronistic that there's no mistakes where you when you come together in a group indeed you touch on s such an important aspect of the work there so i, I always say it's ha it's happening at three levels primarily right one of the, or the observers, the witnesses, those sitting in the outside circle, they're an important part of it because they create that womb in a way. And when they are watching and observing, they're providing a service to the person being constellated because we're not seen and we're not heard enough. So to have a, a well-meaning group of people focusing on your journey and your pain and to feel held and to feel seen is such an important resource for the work. Those people in turn are watching that the story, the client's story in front of them but all our stories are the same stories. You know, we know in the TV industry, there's only seven main scripts, right? So you're watching something there, and I've lost count of the number of times a woman has wanted to work with her own abortion, and there's been an earlier constellation with a woman's abortion, and that person sitting in their chair there has had such a cathartic experience that when it comes to their turn, they say, it's actually enough. I, I got it, and I've done my internal processing, and, you know, let's leave it there. So they... They really benefit by observing. <clears throat> and then the, the next level up is the representatives. And to stand in someone's shoes quite literally is such a gift. Uh, and that's, in my view, how you really learn the work is I was the only male during most of my training. So I was the good dads, the bad dads, the boyfriends, the murderers, the rapists, the abusers, and then occasionally the good guys. <laughs> and more and more lately, the grandfather. <laughs> uh, and and you really feel that you feel where that person is coming from and what their own pain was, because you know the the harshest of characters that we deal with. When you stand in their shoes, you realise what pain was was embedded in them, and they were just passing it forward. So empathy develops uh, uh, with every representation you do. And uh, the, the other thing is, as you have probably discovered already, when you are chosen to represent, there's always a resonance with your own story to some degree. 
Absolutely. It might be your own direct expense or it might sit within your family system somewhere. So it's purely by representing your your family system is getting the energetic benefit of, of that. And then, of course, if you're doing your own constellation, well, then you're right in the trenches and that's where the action happens. But but everyone is better benefiting in, in a workshop, which is why it's so rich and uh, so uplifting. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I often find people very uplifted when they leave. Um, but also, um, just to bring in as well, if you uh, are chosen to represent a rapist or someone that's been really mean or done really horrible things, n not to say that that's, that's directly related to you. It's just something... That's all trouble. But there, there seems to be something, some sort of lesson... Even if it's that you've had some, or one of your family has had that experience, and then you get to stand in that person's shoes. No, no, that's right. That's also quite interesting. Because, you know, you might have had an aunt who was raped during, you know, the, the Second World War or something, so that your aunt would be the victim, but there would be a perpetrator involved. So the perpetrator and the victim energy are both sitting in that stream of life force. So you could be representing, you know, that part of the energy that, you know, the rapist is not actually you. And this is quite an uh, an important point, actually, because sometimes someone in a later generation is, is carrying energetically the experiences of an ancestor so so fully that they can think it's their own experience. And you have to be very careful in this work to assume that that person was molested or raped or something like that because uh, they might be carrying it. It's so real and so present in their energy system it, it's, but it's not necessarily their own experience. And then this work can help shift that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, very time. much so. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions I wanted to ask you, you, you um, work with a number of modalities. Uh, how do you bring other modalities into this work uh, personally with your numerology and internal family systems? That's an excellent question because, again, is, is something else unlike about this modality. It, it dances the tango very well with lots of other modalities, right? Uh, so um, I've explored just about everything that's out there, right? So one of the simpler things I use is the EFT tapping, which with so many people are familiar with. It tends to be just if someone, a client comes in who's very charged, before you go into this uh, loving field, you want to you know bring down some of that charge, or just to teach them that as an ongoing self-help self tool so as simple as, as that is, it's hugely effective uh, and, and really dovetails very nicely. As a numerologist, I use that as additional data because it really tells me how that person is programmed at an energetic level. And, and that gives me another whole stream of data to work with. And it's fascinating to see the parallels of, of, of the patterns in their numbers and to see how they present systemically. So it just enriches and informs the work. And sometimes in a session, I will blend the two so that the person gets the best. It's kind of a left brain, right brain balancing of the information, good practical insights as well as, well, let's move it energetically. So those are the two uh, that I, I add in. And of course, you know, the dozens of things I've studied, you know, I'll, I'll whip out a book or quote a poem or, you know, uh, I love David Hawkins's work, you know, The Power Versus Force. Uh, I love teaching people the Cartman Triangle, the basics of that. Um, there's lots of relationship tools that I've learned over the years. So you you find you, you pull in all sorts of stuff when you're working particularly one-on-one. -on -one. But 
broader than that, uh, I've got colleagues that kinesiology dovetails beautifully with, with family constellations. All of the body work, actually, because family constellations works with the energetic patterns uh, and body work follows on nicely from there, where it can actually be released at a cellular level. So I often say to clients, please follow this up with some body talk or some TRE, trauma release exercises and stuff like that. Uh, beautiful synergy. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. Um, and also, um, I've seen with you, you, you work quite shamanically and you bring in tools into your family constellation. Can you talk a little bit into that? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you know, the showmanship side of it, you know, well, I was in television for 30 years, so I do kind of like a little bit of theater, as long as it doesn't get in the way. So yes, some of my influences, um, I don't like to say I'm a shaman with shamanic training because I learned it mostly by my own and, and, and working with different uh, indigenous teachers over the years. But the family constellations is a very strong connection uh, to that ethos because Helen Gowen lived with the Zulu for 17 years and drew quite strongly on their culture and their understanding of the connection to the ancestors and the connection to nature that informed his work in the early years very much so and and we kind of lost our understanding of, of what the shamanic traditions have held in place for us for, for all these centuries so I like to bring that in uh, uh, as much as possible um, so the type of thing I do would be very basic stuff like like smudging, which is very much part of the shamanic tradition. So we we bring in Pepu in and we smudge all the delicates before a group session. I smudge my space before working. Uh, I use drumming a lot because the drumming is very big in, in, in the shamanic tradition. And everything is frequency and vibration, so that's what we're working with. So... At a certain point in the constellation, I, I might feel that there's anger there that just can't be released. They can't, they just can't touch it. And I will bring in the drum and, and up the beat uh, to invoke that anger, to get that person to, to go down and grab that, that anger and, and let it come out, even if it's with a scream. And sometimes it is a big scream. And there's this beautiful cathartic release as they break through that, that barrier. Uh, and the, the drums are very useful for that. Shakers are very nice as well. Sometimes you yeah you just feel the energy just needs to be moved. It's kind of stuck. Mm, it's a bit more gentle in the drum. A bit more gentle, yeah. So so I like the you know these simple shamanic tools, um, and of course sitting working in circle and and inviting in the ancestors, and before each workshop I I invite in the four directions, and all the guides and ancestors, and I invite everyone in because there's people from all different cultures there, so you literally invite everyone you can think of to come in and support the process. Uh, those are all, you know, loose shamanic tools uh, and they enrich the work and they're in resonance with the origins of this work as well. Can you speak a little bit more into the field? We, we've introduced it, um, but it, it's also, uh, I, I know most of the time you describe it as you have to do it to really understand it, especially with family constellations, but Maybe moving from um, the the origins of this work from Bert Hellinger's point of view, working with the Zulus and bringing in the nature and the ancestor aspect, and then how what does that mean as this morphogenic field? What does it do? How how does that allow us to then feel someone else's stuff, pain, love, all of that? 
Well, perhaps we should first explain, in case you know some listeners and viewers uh, aren't familiar with the term we keep throwing in the morphogenic field. So um, it's an interesting story. The term comes from a, a, a British um, professor, uh, uh, Rupert Sheldrake, and he was studying dogs initially uh, and then went on to study herds and flocks and then ultimately human beings. And what he discovered, I'll keep it short because it's a fascinating story in itself, uh, he discovered that there's an energetic link that is species-specific, right? So there'll be a, a field of energy like an internet. You know, in the old days, we couldn't understand it. We called it Holy Spirit or the basket weave or the web of life, or, you know. Now we understand with the internet that stuff can be linked energetically without wires and things necessarily. So there's like an internet, an energy link uh, between everyone in that species. So there'll be a zebra morphogenic and a hedgehog morphogenic. So he discovered this and uh, Lynn McTaggart and others took this concept further and researched it and validated it. So it's become the generic, we call it the field, and it's a shortened version of the morphic or the morphogenic field, which is sometimes called the knowing field or the ancestral field. And it's all the same thing. Even scientists would call it the zero point field or the quantum field. And we're talking about the same thing. Christians might call it the Holy Spirit. It really is the same thing. And that field of energy connects us, whether we like it or not, whether we're aware of it or not. And and only 10% of our choices, conservatively, are, are consciously made. 90% are subconsciously made. So a lot of the decisions we make are driven by what's happening in this subconscious field. And, and identifying the nature of those patterns, which is what Hellinger did, and and how we affect each other at the subconscious level, but below our knowingness, unintentionally, always for love, that's what's so interesting, always, uh, is is the ethos of this work. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the field, this mysterious, wonderful, fascinating thing which you you never fully understand, but are are constantly blown away by when you when you open it up and see the wisdom contained in it. Yeah, I, when you first taught me that it's always for love, I it was quite difficult to to really get that, even though I'd done years of the work with you. Um, but as as I started to understand it as a facilitator and really look at it, the more you do it, the more you see that it really is for love. And it's hard for people to to take that on. Yeah. You know, if someone's molested you, you know, violated you in some way, and you go, well, where's the love in that? Well, come watch, you know. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and as you cascade down, you'll see that, that that abuser was perhaps abused himself, right, uh, by his, let's say, his father. And then at a deep subconscious level, his subconscious might be saying, if we were to give it words, uh, Dad, if I become a, an abuser like you, uh, then will you see me, then will you love me, then will you stop abusing me? So at that deep 90% subconscious level, it's actually done for love of, of the father. Right. doesn't look like it at the 10% personality level, quite the opposite. And and yes, I can understand why people find it hard to believe, but once you see it in action over and over again, uh, and you know, this we all one and there's only love sounded very new agey and alternative and flaky to me in the beginning, you know. Yeah. But it's the reality of it. The reality. Yeah. So spirituality, psychotherapy, and quantum physics are now actually merging in a beautiful dance, synergistic dance. Yeah, in this modality, absolutely. If someone wants to do a family constellations, uh, 
they want to go to a group, let's say, what are they looking for in a practitioner? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, me. No, just good. <laughs> um, I second that. <laughs> I think uh, someone that you, you resonate with, first of all, okay, this is what I'm very careful about referring people, you know, whether it's a psychologist or a body worker or that, uh, because it's such a personal choice, you know, it's like you're your gynae, right? You know, you want to be careful, you want to feel comfortable with them. So, so first of all, you know, do you, do you feel comfortable with that person? Do you feel safe with them? Because you're going to go to possibly do some dark and dangerous places. You want to know this is someone you can trust. Uh, so that would be, for me, the first thing. Um, I, I think the level of experience as well uh, it would also be important, d depending on where you're at and the, uh, the size of the challenge you're working with um, would be important. Uh, I've noticed over the years that my capacity to do much more traumatic uh, and deeper patterns has increased. If I look back to my early months, sometimes I wince, I think, oh my God, is that what I did, you know? And because uh, you, you only have so much experience um, and you can't, you can't go beyond the, the boundaries of that. So, so gauge the level of experience of, of that facilitator and see whether it's, uh, it's in resonance with, with where you're at. Um, yeah, well, those would be the, the, the two main things, the, the experience and the ethics. And also that the container is safe. Uh, right from day one, uh, we've always been adamant. Whatever happens, in, particularly in that group, stays in that group. It does not leave there. That's a sacred place. I always think maybe it was because I was brought up a Catholic and then you had the confessional and, and, it, and it, you stayed there and it didn't come out of there. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So I see it as a sacred womb. So we always say to people right up front, every workshop, what happens here stays here. Uh, it needs to be protected. So you need to, to know that you're safe, that the that you're comfortable with the facilitator, that he's, he or she is operating with, with ethics, and that they have a, a level of experience commensurate with, with the work you need to do. One of the reasons that I wanted to do the training as a facilitator um, was I did a, a family constellation for someone else's film and for my own. And um, I was like, wow, if it can even go to something like this. And it it really showed, it opened up new ways of, of where to go with both films um, and where it might've been stuck. It's like, oh yes, that makes so much sense. Um, and I haven't used it for film uh, up till now, other than my own, <laughs> but, um, it also made me realize that that it that it has such a broad uh, spectrum of how to work with it, and I know that you that you don't like to take it too wide, um, because some of the bigger issues happening in the world can can break down the field because <laughs> it's so big, um, and we're just mere mortals representing. Um, one of the things that have come up. Uh, uh, in some other research I've done um, that's coming up in the, in in an astro astrological way, because as you know, I'm interested in astrology, um, is fear of uh, change. And I think that's a big thing coming up for people at the moment. There's so much change happening in the world and in individuals. And how do you move, how do you move towards that when there's 
there's like a building of fear amongst so many people. Um, how how could you work with that from a family constellation's point of view? Would you even work with that from a family constellation view? That's a really interesting question and a relevant one at this time because there is a lot of chaos out there and people are picking it up, especially sensitive people. <clears throat> so it's called family constellation because you're essentially working with the family. One. And to be honest, all of us, and I include myself, have unresolved uh, pains within ourselves and in our family system. It's very seldom, perhaps I get a sample of people that are wounded, right? But I, there's very few people in my experience that don't have some level of, of wounding in themselves or in the family system. And there's enough work to do there, to be quite honest, to keep us going, keep us in business. You know, there's so much there. So, so that's where I, I like to try and keep the focus. I love working one-on-one -on -one or, or in small groups with families, mom and dad and missing siblings and uncles and aunts. And, and there's the, it's so rich and it's so meaningful to those people. It's immediately obvious. Oh, that's what happened to my dad. That's, that's why he was the way he is. I can start opening my heart to him now because I, I can see he, he did the best he could and there just wasn't much in the tank, you know, from his own dad or whatever. And, and that enriches their life, which then ripples out to their own family and most importantly to the generations to come. So, so that's why I've taken my focus there. But to your, to your question, in the early days, when we see the magic of the field and we think, oh, wow, you know, there's these big patterns that we can change. So we set up South Africa and all the different tribes in South Africa, going way back to the song and the early Bushmen, bringing it forward with representatives for each culture that arrived. Oh, and it got so big. Um, and we did the same with the witches, the you know, burning of the, of the 500,000 to 3 million, the different estimates, witches that were burnt within those 500 years, the 3, three million witches also got big and out of hand. So I learned quite early on that, to use one of Hellinger's healing sentences, for this I am too small, but... So we, we have to know that uh, stay in our lane, uh, create a little ripple effect in the little area where we can make a difference. And if we're all just doing that, those ripples will start to overlap eventually and they will, will affect the bigger field. But we can't, we can't take on things that are, that are too big. I think a lot of that really worked with Hellinger coming out of the Second World War. A lot of, of that was realized, you know, that there was nothing you could do about it. It was this big tide, the swell that overtook humanity. An ordinary, you know, I, I remember going to Dachau and standing there by the ovens <clears throat> and thinking, you know, on any other given day, the men who put those bodies in, in into the ovens here were bakers and mechanics, you know, and fathers and, and brothers and, and ordinary people. What what took over? And, and it's this, this tide this, that's too big for us. So we have to uh, we have to get to a point where we can acknowledge what's too big for us, um, and and bow to it as part of as part of our fate. Um, and I've also noticed, quite, just as an, an addendum to that, uh, some clients that come that want to save the whales or save the planet or say you know or, or change the community and that, quite often uh, with no disrespect to them because they have a, a positive effect through that. But sometimes they're avoiding their own their own journey, and they're externalizing it. So the rescue archetype's quite strong. And if I can help all those poor people or save those wells, or you know, uh, and and when you when you work with them, you find that 
it's it's an attempt, you know, to to deal with their own healing in a different way. And yes, it does have a positive benefit, but it doesn't always heal their own wounding. Thank you, Richard. That's very pertinent. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about or say? Let me think for a second. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of the training for this work, okay, because obviously that's um, after my training, John Payne, that I trained with left the country, and then I trained with the uh, with with Chinese group in the German Shipboard Archer. So I actually trained with with both schools as well as three separate uh, trips to Germany and, and Austria, and of course the reading in between. But the greatest teacher is the actual field. You learn so much so quickly there. So I'm very keen uh, for people to have that experience. So because John had left and no one was doing in Joburg and people wanted to learn the word, I kind of just dived in, you know, and, and started a, a, a 26-week, I think it was, training. And I was literally reading up on it and refreshing my memory and looking at my own training notes and writing writing a modality uh, the afternoon before the, the students would come. Uh, I was kind of forced into it. Obviously, the field would work again. But that evolved, and then I changed it into a five-day training. So the, the point I wanted to put across was that you don't necessarily have to do the training in order to become a facilitator. Right? Because it's, it's, it's so useful in our everyday lives as well to have the understanding of, of how the systemic flow works and what the organization within a family works, and what these patterns are like, you can take that out into your everyday life. You can start using those truth statements or those healing sentences in your everyday life, in your prayers, in your meditations. Uh, if you're a, a, another type of therapist, like my wife's an astrologer and tarot reader, um, she'll come up with a pattern during the reading that she'll quickly pull out some stones and do a little constellation there, just do a little pattern, you know, so you don't have to come and learn it to, you know, like like you wanted to 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 take it out into big groups and all that sort of stuff. It's it's very eclectic in in how the information can be used. But in tandem with that, when you do the training, if we're talking about that specifically, you have to do your own work there, right? You you do your own constellations because you cannot facilitate the healing journey of others unless you've reached a certain level of your own healing. Otherwise, you're going to be projecting your own pain body in, into the scenario. I think that's true of any modality. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's you know it's a blind spot which we have to keep an eye on, because we're all works in progress, um, and we and we have to realize that we we never fully finished, right? So when you're facilitating whether one on one or a group, uh, I always keep that witness or observer part thing. Okay, Richard, where you know where are the triggers for you, where are your blind spots, and it takes uh, it it takes a bit of, of effort to make sure that you don't get fully immersed in that and you stay the, the process for the client and you, and you stay observant of your role in that. Um, so that's what I like about it. You know, someone can come along as a kinesiologist, you know, and, and, and take this wisdom and, and, and use it in their environment. Uh, it's very eclectic. Mm, and it's also, like we spoke about earlier, being able to read the field. So the more sensitive you become, uh, you you then actually just allowing the field to inform you yeah. with with your work, yeah. and that's I guess that would be how you 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 don't need to do the the actual training is because it's you just observing if you have the sensitivity the field yeah. and then also um, to to then speak into how then do you become sensitive to to the field and what that is. 
Um, so I don't know if you have an answer. I have an answer. <laughs> it's actually one of the first questions I asked when we were in training, and I and I saw you know saw the facilitator obviously tapping into something that wasn't evident to us lesser mortals, um, and I, and I asked you know what how, how does one connect with that? Is it this field specific to you, and how do I get that skill? Uh, the answer unfortunately wasn't uh, wasn't forthcoming. Uh, uh, <laughs> and and what I've subsequently discovered is that I I think it does take on an aspect of the facilitator's personality, right? Uh, because I've watched many facilitators work and they and, and they have different flavors. Um and and it is literally just something that arrives the more you stand in that field and the more you get out of the way and the more you trust. It it just gradually arrives and you and you sit back one day and you go, Wow, I did really little there today and I, I was out of the way. And by contrast, you will actually notice when you go in and, and Richard appears in a constellation and you'll feel the energy subside and those things don't even we say drops in, right? It dropped in from the field. And what is this dropping in from the field? The students will say, where the hell is it coming from? And, and, and there's no other way to explain it. You, you get there. Opadach, as they say in the Afrikaans, you will be doing a constellation and you'll hear something or you'll sense something or you'll smell something and you'll hear something or you'll feel something and you'll just go, I think we need to bring in someone there and boom, 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 boom. And, and you can't really quantify where it's coming from. It's coming from their collective consciousness and you realize, well, wow, I've got very little to do with this. Absolutely. What, what is your answer to that? Well, other things have come up since you've been speaking because what I've realized is that I've learned how to read the field mostly. I've had many teachers, but mostly from observing you, observing how you work. And that then uh, informs me. I'm seeing how you're doing it. So that for me, that's that's how I've, I've gone, okay, I can, because I, I'm also very sensitive since I was very young. I used to see kind of beyond the veil. I used to see very weird things and animals and virtually. <laughs> um, so so there, it was there already in some way, but then learning how to read it was through observation. But I think you can also increase the, the sensitivity to it. One, my main uh, suggestion would be meditation because that's a practice that then starts to open you up and helps you get out the way. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I'll second that. I didn't think of it because I'm, I'm a terrible meditator. I've tried them all over the years and I'm, I'm really, so the way I do it now is I make life a meditation. If I'm washing the dishes, if I'm brushing my teeth, if I'm getting dressed, if I'm walking the dogs, I try and be as fully present in the moment as possible because sitting down and doing my mudras and some complicated meditation or just even trying to quiet my mind, you know, 50 years on as a lost cause. <laughs> but but I like your idea um, that, that that would open a person's field. And also interesting to hear you about the observation. Um, and, and that's an interesting point because it doesn't matter who you're watching facilitate and, and, and to be honest, uh, during my training, there were certain things I saw that, that made me wince. And, and those were wonderful learning opportunities because they alerted me to the possible mistakes that, that we could make as facilitators. Go, Oof, I don't want to do that when I'm facilitating one day, you know. That's all a learning opportunity. Some things you get right, some things you get wrong. 
how? In inverted commas, for those that are listening. <laughs> yeah. No, yes, in inverted commas, because there's no right or wrong. Right? Mm. Uh, and in fact, when you get something in inverted commas wrong, usually that's the one you don't forget because you, you don't want to do that again. You know? Yeah. So I always say there aren't, there aren't any mistakes in the field. But the, the thing about ob observing is really important. That's why to all my students, and even to clients, I say, go and watch people work. Watch as many people as you can work. You know, they all have different ways of doing it. And that's why during, that, that's one of the reasons I have my, my you know, bi-monthly groups uh, is, is to open that window so people can come and observe and see. And then I, it's not an official training thing, but I, I do try and explain occasionally what I'm doing, you know, so that, so that people can learn from it as quickly as possible and take that into their own lives and their own facilitations. You see, it's about, family constellation is about inclusiveness, right? Yeah. Very much so. Everyone has a right to belong to that system must belong. So if that's the ethos of the work, we have to take, we have to take that out, right? So little clicky, you know, this little group and that little group is just not part of my world, my reality, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if we claim to be family constellation facilitators inclusive, we've really got to we've got to live it to the degree where if we're in a circle and someone needs to go to the loo or something like that, uh, unless it's in the training where where you know it's not as 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 important because it's a long time in there, um, uh, I wait for that person to come back, right? Because it's such an important pattern. Let's make sure everyone's included first before we mm. we carry on. And inclusiveness is a big is a big thing for us in our country in South Africa. So it really shows you how important it is inclusiveness of not just the inner family but the outer family, and then t uh, taking it in c circles that ripple further outward. It's actually everyone and everything, the even the winged ones, the four-legged ones, the standing ones, the fin ones. You know, they're all they're all part of the same family, different shapes and sizes. And perhaps I don't know if you want to, we can talk a little bit about the one-one context because we spoke mainly about the, the group. groups. Should yeah. Chat a little bit about how it started one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. So after being done in groups for you know those first three decades or so, there was a there was a need for people to be able to do this this work in a one-on-one because they couldn't make groups. Or, or, or they they didn't feel comfortable in groups with with the with their traumas. So, uh, in my experience, the you know the first person to really lay that out was Ursula Franke in Germany, who wrote two books about doing that one on one called In the Mind's Eye, and and uh, and since then that's really really grown, uh, uh, and there's a bigger market for that, uh, and and then people going online and p particularly during COVID. People can very familiar with working on Zoom, so so now I found a huge growth in the one-on-one -on -one context. So there's about five different ways that I I can work with or that I show in the training. The most common one is in the mind's eye, where the person closes their eyes, and you do exactly the same thing except instead of using representatives, the person is seeing that person in their minds. They're visualizing. Visualizing is correct. And, and and having that same dialogue, they speak it out loud to their mom or their dad, whoever. The healing sentences are usually pretty much the same. The effect is pretty much the same. The only thing you lose is that additional information you get from the representatives, right, which can, in, can enrich it. And in certain patterns, like if there's family secrets, if there's stuff that's been tucked away that's resistant to come into the light of healing, the group can often reveal that. 
Uh, so that's the that's the one place where I would casually say, okay, let's rather do this in a group, right? Uh, the, the second way is to to externalize it, to cash in on that sculpturing aspect of constellations, where you write on a piece of paper, mom, dad, me, buddy, you know, and, and you observe the sculpturing, who's looking at who, who's excluded, who's facing away from the family, and you get a story there from those those A4 pieces of paper. Don't stay A4 pieces of paper, they, they come to life somehow. That gives you opportunity for the for the client to stand in other people's shoes again, and you as a, a facilitator can also stand in, and stand in as the mom, and you're looking at your mom, what happens for you here? Stand in mom's shoes, how does it feel to stand in mom's shoes? Some people, you would be very receptive to that, right? So some people don't feel anything, then you just stay with the normal dialogue. Some people really, you know, can feel it and go, wow, I didn't realize this is how my mom felt, you know, and that enriches it. So uh, then you can also use placemats instead of the pieces of paper, uh, different colored placemats that you can uh, place out there. You can use little dolls on, on, a, on a tabletop uh, where they can set up, and that gives it a little bit more of a 3D sculpture, and you can see which way people are facing, and you can have people lying down. Some people will respond to that quite well. Um, men don't seem to like playing with dolls. Or <laughs> uh, and... Uh, and then the, 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 the last one is the stones that I work with uh, because they have a kind of organic, uh, shamanic feel to them uh, where you ask someone to choose a stone for themselves and a stone for them, and then you open the dialogue. And, and, and that it's not like uh, playing glassy glass, you're throwing the bones or something like that. What's actually happening is quite interesting because everything is in waveform initially. The information. Information in that information field is in waveform. So we know now from quantum uh, physics uh, that that when you set your intention, vision board, meditation, prayers, ritual, journaling, all of that is creating a quantum collapse, all right, from the waveform to the particle. Yeah. And that's why journaling is so powerful, you know. So when you bring that stone in, it's collapsing your energy field into that focal point of that stone, and then your dad, right? And then, and then you open a you open a dialogue. I, I personally represent those people as well because I'm able to split my energy. But that's not a technique that everyone uh, can necessarily do. It only came along about four years ago for me. Um, so I do show it. I do demonstrate it, and I do teach it. And if people have that capacity, then they can do it. But you have to be very careful that you're able to split your energy 100 percent. And and that you you're not contaminating or filtering in your your own stuff at all. That's mm, really getting out the way again. Yeah, you know, because the traditional therapeutic approach is, you know, the client's there and it's a client-led process. The Carl Rogers, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel? You know, what does that make you think of? Well, you know, um, this again collapses all of that into a much more concentrated space and time. Yep. So instead of four years of talk therapy, you can actually yeah. get down in one session even. Yeah, you know, I went to talk therapy for, for many years around my progression, and uh, it didn't help, you know, uh, it didn't change things. That's where the consciousness was at that time. Those are the only tools we had at that time, yeah. and they were a really important stepping stone. Yeah. And the first generation of family constellation facilitators came out of the psychotherapy and the psychiatry and the psychotherapeutic uh, uh, schools, you know, the Gestalt school, essentially. So there was the first generation. 
but then it broadened out and, and credit to Hellinger because he didn't contain it and 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 make people have to um, um, get certain levels of training and pay a fortune to get accreditation and then get take a stake from it like some modalities do. He just said, you know, I was led to this. I developed it. It's my gift to the world. If you're drawn to it and you want to take it to the next level, do that. And so that started bringing in the, the those with shamanic training or influence and, and other therapists and opened it and made it much more available, which is why I liked it because I could go there uh, as well. Um, of course, there is a little bit of a danger with that um, because you might get people drawn to it for the wrong reasons who, who perhaps don't have enough uh, background uh, in basic uh, therapy uh, modalities and techniques and f and family structure and 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 um, and the, and the different insights you need to to step into into that realm. You know, it's it's not a flaky new agey. Let's play with this. So we were doing crystals mm -hmm. last week. Let's do family constellations. <laughs> and one of the 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 big parts of family constellations are the healing sentences. And you would have need to have done quite a bit of family constellations to be able to facilitate the healing sentences that that really make make that change in the field and in the in the people. Yeah, well, um, that's a good idea, and 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 it's also one of the areas, particularly with, with the students when I'm training, we're fear setting because how am I going to remember these healing sentences, and are they just going to drop in? So it's twofold. One. There, there are certain healing sentences which Hellinger and the first generation developed which you can't improve on. They really hit the sweet spot, right? Um, so you, you tend to eventually start learning those, like learning a new language. You, you would get that little that little arsenal of healing sentences, right? Uh, but it's a much more creative, intuitive process, the healing sentences. So in the beginning, I used to read quite a lot of poetry, particularly Rumi, that sort of thing to to get into that frequency, that love frequency, uh, and so when I'm in the field, I'm feeling it energetically. I uh, know the therapeutic sentences here, and and some sort of blending happens, where you where you give that healing sentence that, that's in resonance with that, um, with that plant. So um, so th there are certain ones that are that are used over and over again, uh, but they never. They never feel that you're saying them by rote. It's always like you're saying it for the first time with that person, you know. So, so someone might be by be looking at at his mom and say, "Thank you for the gift of life. You're the perfect mother for me. Thank you for everything you gave me. I'm deeply grateful, and I carry you in my heart." You should that, deserve, that deserves a pause, yeah. Yeah, you can really feel that. Even if you've had a hard time with your mum. Those, those are truths. And that's what the kind of healing centres you would get to at the end of a process. Yeah. It wouldn't start off there. Yes. You know, it might be the gnashing of teeth and I hate you and, you know, and then you layer it down and you get to this point where the, where the client willingly grabs those sentences and the heart is open then. Yes, because in the beginning of a of a constellation, that the person representing may not be able to even say that. Yeah, that oh, 
invariably not. That's why they've come to see you. Yeah. Because their mom is an absolute witch and doesn't understand them and never has and never been there for them and all of that. Half an hour, 40 minutes later, totally different pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Richard. I think that was, yeah, me too. It was such a, a beautiful explanation and understanding of what Family Constellations is and how it can help people and what a gift it is to the world. Indeed, and we bow to Helinda for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review and rate the NixiePod show. It helps to get this information out to more of our soul tribe. Thank you for listening.